you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. The Saints line up in <laughs> basically winning formation. Uh, for those of you who missed it, it's a blowout. The score is 48. Well, it wasn't 48 at that point. It was yeah. 42 or 41, 17 or whatever it was. But they line up in winning formation, and Jameis Winston hands the ball off, and they score again. And people lost their minds because traditionally when you have control of a football game, there's under a minute to play. Even with the interception they got and set up the scoring position, you take a knee, you take a knee, you take a knee, and the game's over. So they hand the ball off to Jamal Williams. And Jamison Williams, uh, Jameis Williams, should I say, or Jameis uh, Winston, says that uh, he doesn't regret it, Jason. Um, And they wanted to get him a touchdown. This is not what Dennis Allen ordered. He said, let's take a knee. Jameis gets out there and says, what do y'all want to do? Let's get Jamal a touchdown. Yeah, let's do it. So they line up in winning formation. They hand the ball off. The Falcons are not playing at this point. They just let the guy score. And there are just so many things to this. One, Allen then gets fussed at by now former Falcons coach Arthur Smith in the middle of the field. And he says, what the F was that? What are you doing? Dennis says, I didn't do it. (laughs) It was a rogue play by my quarterback. Jason, there's so much here to say, what in the hell is going on with Dennis Allen? Jameis Jameis, uh, Winston and this Saints team to do this, to line up in victory formation and to do this, now, part of me is it's football. Guys, this isn't literally. These are professional football players. And if you line up, you should know that I'm lining up and I probably have to play. Like a boxer has to defend himself anytime the bell rings. Yeah. But the other side of it is that people thought it was Bush League, Jason, and felt like this was complete bullshit. Yeah. I, I guess the part of this I keep going back to is if Arthur Smith, if there isn't this exchange at midfield in a game that was rendered basically meaningless by its completion, right? By the end of this game, we knew that this game had no playoff ramifications, right? Yeah, zero. As I recall it. So it was one of, um, I don't know, eight, six games in this inventory that was basically a moment in time that has no future ramifications on anything other than Arthur Smith's job security. So like if he doesn't throw a temper tantrum after the game, and let's face it on the list of things that Arthur Smith should be pissed off after that game. (laughs) Is that really number one? You know what I mean? Like, is that that really where his head should be? Like, is that, is that like, is that, is that a portal into his psyche and why he should never been a head coach in the first place? And I like the guy personally, and I loved him as an offensive coordinator. It was a bad hire. It was a stretch. It was a reach. It's been screaming that at you since the end of year one, and especially year two, and early in year three. Forget about it. Like, so that's sort of where I go at it. Like, would anyone? Would this have become a thing? Would it have blown up on Twitter if Arthur Smith isn't mfing Dennis Allen at midfield, right? And and of the things that Arthur Smith should be pissed off about, I think most of them should be within. He should be having an internal conversation with himself saying, what did I do with this opportunity? Like there's not really reflection or circumspection or introspection. It's, it's almost like it was always something else. Like it was never, the enemy was never within. 
it was always all oh, the world, the football world's conspiring against me and my master plan here for the Atlanta Falcons. We just weren't very good at the job, bro. Like that's just the reality. And you you might be better the second time around or whatever, but that thing was going nowhere. And you were a huge part of why. You're not the biggest part of why. Like Rich McKay's the biggest part of why. Like, I love this guy's press conference. He he airlifts into these press conferences, sits down up there. Tells you how everything's going to be different and fixed. Who's good? The GM's good. Who's sucked? The coaches suck. And, like, does it in a detached manner as if he wasn't the main guy putting all this together. Like, he hasn't been the main guy with the owners here for a generation. Like, it cracks me up how these guys can get there and they can talk about it in this matter-of-fact way as if they've done all the analysis and done all the reasoning Almost like they're an outside consultant who was brought in to tell Arthur Blank what to do next. No, bro, the enemy is within. You're the problem. You've been a part of all these things there that don't work. You've got the greatest job in the world. You're a football guy who fancies yourself a football guy, who's on the competition committee being a football guy, who when it suits him, can just be a suit, can just be a numbers guy. Oh, I'm just the guy who puts the stadium together. Like, it must be unbelievable like to just – depending on what serves your purposes of keeping yourself employed and making millions of dollars a year, you can just play this shuffle with the public and the media. Like you ain't fooling me. You've never fooled me. Like, let's look at the constants for why this franchise has been mediocre, right? Save for one moment in time with Kyle Shanahan running their offense. Like what are the constants there? Like who's making these decisions? Maybe you don't know how to evaluate people. Maybe you're not really a football guy. You're certainly not the football guy that you would pretend to be when you're in front of the NFL's media explaining this rule change or that rule change. Like, maybe you're not very good at this. Like, it's amazing. It's like he was never in Tampa. Like, the whole thing falls apart in Tampa. It's like you don't hear Rich McKay's name about it, right? You hear, you hear the owners and you hear Gruden and, like, come on, man. Like, how is this guy so Teflon? It blows my mind. Like, they have the balls to sit up there, and it's it's like, yeah, no, this is what didn't work. Yet. Bro, you put it together. It's your thing. You've been putting it together for years. Like, when has it worked? You kept the Dimitrov thing way too long, longer than you should have. They kept the Mike Smith thing longer than you should have. You kept the Dan Quinn thing longer than you should have. You kept the Arthur Smith thing, another one that you put together, longer than you should have. But you just got a job for life. Like you, you just you can walk in there and sit up there with the owner or whatever, and and dictate. Oh, this is here's here's what it is. How like wh- 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 where's what's the accountability there? What would he have to do to get fired at this point in time? It's a great question. Slap the owner across the face in public. Like what would it take? Like what what would it take for that owner to be like, hey, maybe this is not the right thing for me. Like it, it's not really working out. Um, two things, and you're spot on about Rich uh, McKay. The Arthur Smith thing, you know, everybody was mad about the wrong thing. The things that you laid out, Jason, and how this team played this season, the lack of production in the red zone, the lack of using the weapons you've drafted, whether it be Bijan or Kyle Pitts or all these people we've talked about, it was just kind of a microcosm of the season. And then that moment you talk about at the 50-yard line, which just blew up. So th- that was one element. But but I have to say this. The thing that pissed me off the most yesterday, and then we'll we'll move on to, to a couple other coaches that we think may be moving. 
Um, the Falcons had this press conference. Rich McKay was there. Arthur Blank was there. The guy that was not there was Terry Fontenot. He's currently the general manager. That is his title. There are five black general managers in the NFL right now. Okay. Three of them, Andrew Barry's Browns are going to the playoffs. Omar Khan's Pittsburgh Steelers are going to the playoffs. Chris Greer's Miami Dolphins are going to the playoffs. And the point is these guys have come in, they team built, they've hired, They've created the atmosphere and a winning culture, and they're general managers. They're being allowed to do the job. And it needs to be said that in the NFL, it's not just about hiring a black general manager. It's about allowing them to do the job. Yesterday, Terry Fontenot was marginalized. He was minimalized by not being at this press conference and Rich McKay taking all the questions that the general manager should have been answering. It was despicable. And the bigger thing for me is they've said – now, after this presser yesterday, Jason, in Atlanta, that he's going to be a big part of the decisions that will be made. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's a, you, that's a, you, that's a complete lie. You cannot tell me that he's going to do all the work and lead up to these interviews and all the things that you're telling us he's going to be a part of and then not have the decision-making power. So, in essence, to answer, you know, to add to what you've just laid out about Rich McKay – now you've minimalized the general manager, and we now know he's not going to be involved in any of this. So whoever you bring in next, just understand who's making that decision. Whoever the next guy is and the quarterback and all of those things that will play out, that trickle down, understand where that's coming from. That is what I got from yesterday's presser. But, Jason, it was it's upsetting because we've talked so long about the NFL and hiring practices when it comes to coaches specifically front office folks. They've created all of these necessities that teams have to do. You go hire one, and then you minimalize and marginalize his responsibilities by saying, you don't need to be at the press conference. We just fired our coach. We're looking for another one. You're good. Just just be up at Flowery Branch and handle the other business that we have going on. Unbelievable. Talk to two GMs about that situation last night, both of whom I'll add are in the playoffs. Uh, and like, hey, did you watch Rich's latest dog and pony show? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you think about what they said about the GM? And they both said the same thing. Well, if I was that GM. I wouldn't give a shit what they said about me. I'd give a shit about the fact that I wasn't up there with them. So when I come home from work that night I, and my wife asked me what's going on, I'd have to tell my wife, I'm not so sure we're long for here. If they get the right guy who's got enough jam to say I'm not his guy, then we're out of here tomorrow. And you know what? If they go out and get a different guy who says he can live with me for a little while and it doesn't get better next year, guess what? As much as they're going to tell people that I had a role in this, who's the next person fired? Me. Not Rich McKay, the guy who's actually putting this all together again. It'll be me, the guy who didn't have enough jam to be up there on the on the dais with them. That's the reality of the situation. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know what it takes for Rich McKay to have accountability. Like I don't even know what accountability is there. Like, I guess because he got the stadium built, he's got a job for life. I, I don't know. Um, but, like, Arthur Blank, that's your biggest problem, Holmes. Like, that's, you know, you need to rethink what you're doing because what you're doing sucks. 